Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. I'm Mary Kay Cabot. And I'm Scott Patsko. And here we go, Saturday here in Berea. It was a pretty quiet day for the most part. Now the Browns were back in pads, uh, as expected, after a day without pads, the day after a preseason game. But we're going to go through six topics here. Uh, again, as usual, we haven't pre-discussed them, but uh, we're going to get going. And Scott, you are up first. Let's talk about takeaways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe Schobert had an interception. Uh, Terrence Mitchell has an interception, and this is starting to become a trend. You know, Mac Wilson is surprisingly didn't have an interception today. Uh, he'd had a run of a, a few practices, and of course, had two in the in the, in the preseason opener. Um, I think everybody went into the offseason wondering if the Browns could keep up the pace they set last year with all the turnovers, and I'm starting to wonder that that maybe they can because in practice it seems to be happening. Yeah, and you know they finished second in the NFL last year to the Bears, I think it was, in defensive takeaways. And I think they are poised to match or exceed the takeaways that they had last year because they've even added guys like, like you said, like Mac Wilson, who has a nose for the ball, Greedy Williams, yeah. who always seems to be around the ball and able to catch it. And then I think now the next step is to start scoring touchdowns uh, with some of those takeaways. Yeah, and that's something that a couple of defenders have talked about. Steve Wilkes emphasizes it. Don't just take the ball away. Go score the ball after you take it away. And, and that's something that we've seen this defense do. And it's great to see Joe Schobert do this. He didn't play Thursday night. Uh, Mac Wilson, of course, has been garnering all the buzz. Not that that matters when it comes to who plays and who doesn't, but I think for Joe Schobert to come out here and kind of respond like he has, and you, you see that athleticism on the, on display, especially on that pick he had on, on Friday, uh, it's, it's good to kind of see him step up and do that. And, you know, Scott, you mentioned this to us earlier. Those aren't the first two turnovers that Joe Schobert has forced in this camp. No, no. He had a couple strips earlier in camp, and it seemed like he was specifically looking to do that kind of thing. There was one where uh, David Njoku caught a short pass, and, uh, and Schobert came up behind him and just smacked the ball out of his hands, picked it up, and took off. Um, and, and there were a few other times when, you know, all the defenders try to knock the ball away, but he just seemed really focused on doing that earlier in camp, and now apparently the <laughs> the focus is on picking the ball out of the air. Um, but, yeah, it is it is uh, obviously something that, that seems to be continuing from last year. All right, topic number two, Mary Kay. Topic number two today is uh, talk to quarterbacks coach Ryan Lindley today, and he revealed that the Washington Redskins were informed ahead of time, in pregame, that the Browns were going to come out in that two-minute drill, that no-huddle, blistering offense that they took it to him with. And uh, 
you know, I think that just makes it better. I think to know that they knew it was coming and that they still couldn't do anything about it, and, of course, OBJ and Jarvis weren't even out there, I just think it bodes well for the offensive future. I um I love it. I love that they told him that. I, I like that idea of going into a preseason game hoping to accomplish something. And you said, I mean, that's why one of the reasons why they're going to Indianapolis next week. Um, you're going to have a scripted opportunity to go against an opponent. Both coaches are going to know what's coming. You're going to be able to set things up. And I, I'm I bet this happens more in preseason than we know. And I think we'll see it more and more too. That teams want to create scenarios. Like I think it would have been great on Thursday night if they would have created some more kicking scenarios, right? Run the ball and let a kicker run out there and, and try an actual kick. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's great that they did that. You're trying to put yourself in situations so you can simulate the regular season. Uh, like I said, it's probably something that happens more than we know, and I hope it kind of keeps happening because let's make these preseason games about more than just finding out which which guy that plays in the fourth quarter might have a chance to make the roster. Yeah, Lindley even talked about how Baker's really tried to take more ownership of the offense. I think in the spring, uh, he talked a little bit about mm-hmm. how that needed to happen. And, uh, you know, during uh, the break, Baker was in contact trying to find out, you know, what everything he could about the offense. What are they going to be teaching them and what he could do? And um, that was, you know, that first drive was kind of, I think it shows that, that yeah, he is taking ownership of the offense because you need to be in total control to be able to run a, uh, a no huddle like that. Um, and on top of it, with without guys that that maybe you're going to be using, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to have the most reps with. So that, that was impressive. Yeah. Okay. Topic three. I'm going to go back to the cornerback position uh, and our buddy Terrence Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked to Dwayne Walker today, and who that third corner was going to be was brought up. Not third corner, but you know, your, your two outside corners within your slot. Uh, so which three cornerbacks would, would play was brought up, and then Freddie Kitchens brought something up today earlier in camp. You know, Grady Williams was moved to the first team. Mm-hmm. Somewhere out there, if you go to Google, you'll find a, a defensive observations post I wrote where I declared, this is it. Grady Williams is with the first team. There's no turning back. And the next day, Terrence Mitchell was back out with the first team. And, and Freddie kind of referenced that today, that mm-hmm. Mitchell didn't blink. He kept competing. That's sort of what he does. Um, so that cornerback position, it's going to be different from last year, I think, when Denzel Ward kind of settled in. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Walker basically admitted a big part of that was because they didn't have a lot of bodies there, and now they do. Uh, I'm curious to see how that plays out. Is it going to be Greedy? Is it going to be Mitchell? TJ Carey can play inside and outside. Who's going to ultimately win that position? Well, I'll tell you what. Those guys, the competition there is bringing out the best in all of them, and they have some good cornerbacks on this team. I really like the games of, of both TJ Carey and Terrence Mitchell. Both of those guys, to me, in addition to, of course, the, the uh, projected stars, we know Denzel, and then we assume that Greedy's going to start. But those two cornerbacks, I mean, there's not a whole lot of drop-off when you go to Terrence Mitchell and T.J. Carey. And they've got some options in terms of who can play, you know, the nickelback and things like that. But, um, again, Terrence Mitchell with the pick today, you know, he's gritty, he's tough, he seems like a Freddie Kitchens kind of guy to me. And I just think all of these guys are making each other so much better this camp. I think not just with the cornerbacks, but even with the safeties, the entire defensive backfield, I think mm-hmm. we're going to be looking at snap counts at the end of these games to really get a better idea of who got the most playing time because they're rotating a lot of people. It's one of the things they did on Thursday early on. I think the first play, uh, Jermaine Whitehead was in. Mm-hmm. Next play, Eric Murray comes in. Yeah. And it just kept, you know, you, you kept rotating. And they're so deep now, I think they're going to take advantage of that. And it's you're going to see a lot of Greedy and a lot of Denzel, but I think uh, the, the snap counts at the end of the game are, are going to be maybe more balanced than 
you know, than most teams. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the thing to keep in mind, and Walker talked about this, is Kerry can play anywhere. Mm-hmm. So if he doesn't win that outside job, he'll probably be your starting slot. Yeah. Um, but Terrence Mitchell, they like him outside. He, and same with Greedy Williams. He kind of th- indicated that those two guys are mostly outside guys, especially Terrence Mitchell. So it's really between those two to maybe be that starter opposite of Denzel Ward. And one thing to consider and think about as you're going forward and thinking about playing time, they have to stop the run. Mm-hmm. So whoever is going to stop that run and not be any kind of a liability in the running game is who is going to get playing time. And Greedy has demonstrated he can do it. He has to do it in games. And if for some reason he's not going to do it in games, they'll put Terrence or somebody else in there. Okay, topic number four is Scott. Let's talk about running backs. Uh, now, Kareem Hunt uh, was on the field in pads today, um, but he yeah, he got a few carries, but it was mostly in kind of the non-contact uh, periods. But other than that, Nick Chubb busted a big run, which made the whole crowd roar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ernest Johnson, having big runs today, had a couple of big first down runs, at least 10 yards, and uh, Terrell and Gray, I think working with the third team, he got through and avoided a couple tackles and was gone for a 70-yard touchdown. Uh, might have been the best day for running backs uh, since since camp started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're starting to see Kareem Hunt work his way back in. He hasn't done a lot. Uh, Freddie Kitchens wouldn't commit to him playing against Indianapolis, but I think at this point with where he's at, it would surprise me if he's not ready in you know a week from today when we're recording this. Um, so we're starting to see him work his way back. And now with Duke Johnson gone, there's a little more. There's some more carries for some of those guys that you mentioned, Scott. Uh, it's, it'll be fun to see these guys actually get into a game and carry the football. Yeah, Nick Chubb has really, I think, you know, just set the tone. I mean, like you said today, lasting a long one, and he has had more reps in this camp than I think he's needed to because Kareem's been out, because Duke's been out. But he is just churning out the yards (laughs) day after day after day in full pads, taking hits, lots of contact, and and he's really out there just embodying the spirit of of what what Freddie's going for here. I think think they're aware now, maybe they were aware the whole time, of how much work Chubb has gotten because when they were doing uh, drives at the end of practice with tackling, it was Hilliard and uh, and Johnson getting those carries. It wasn't, it wasn't Nick Chubb, and obviously not Kareem Hunt. So right. Okay. Topic five is Mary Kay. All right. I'm going to go a little off the field for this topic. Uh, My topic today for number five is going to be taking chances, taking risks on the Antonio Callaways and the Kareem Hunts of the world. John Dorsey is a man of second chances, uh, but as we can see with, you know, the Desmond Harrisons and even when you look in, you know, to Kansas City and you see Tyreek Hill and some of the other guys that he has taken chances on, uh, it's not always a smooth and easy road right after that, right? Yeah. Uh, right now you've got Antonio Callaway suspended for the first four games, news that came down yesterday, and um, Kareem Hunt is going to be suspended for the first eight games of the season. And he had just a little tiny minor uh, incident this summer that turned out to be nothing. But, um, you know, the topic I'm basically throwing out there is, you know, is it is it worth it to take chances on guys like these? You know, I, I think if you asked Kansas City about Tyreek Hill, I think they would tell you that as like awful as that situation has been off the field, he's so important to their offense that they probably feel like it was worth it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they probably feel like that PR hit they took, I mean, I hate to categorize it as a PR hit, mm-hmm. was worth it because they need him on the field. And I think that's what, 
I, I guess we just have to remember it's about winning football games. That's why these decisions get made. They, they took Antonio Callaway uh, because they wanted to win football games, and they thought he could help. John Dorsey brought in Kareem Hunt because he thinks he can help him win football games, and that's really kind of what this comes down to. And it's, it's a cold, calculated way to look at it, but that's what's driving these decisions. Um, if, Tari- if Tyreek Hill didn't help Kansas City like he did, he probably would have been cut back when that audio came out around the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Kareem Hunt didn't help a team like he does, nobody else would have signed him. That, that's really ultimately what it comes down to with, with all of these guys. I think some of the shine maybe has worn off John Dorsey's ability to turn someone's life around because... There was a time when it seemed like he was really good at that. Uh, but over the last few years, things have kind of things that came up in college have kind of come back. You know, Marcus Peters suspended, and I think he was thrown off his team in college. He kind of wore out his welcome, had suspensions in uh, in Kansas City, obviously Hill. Um, Kareem Hunt, you know, he was suspended at Toledo, um, and now he's dealing with what he's dealing with. Antonio Callaway had issues in college, and now he's dealing with something again. So, mm-hmm. um you know, these things are coming back around. It's not second chances. Now we're talking about, you know, third mm-hmm. and fourth chances. And, you know, I think you're right about talent outweighing a lot of this stuff. But Dorsey's uh, uh, ability or his reputation as somebody who can maybe kind of get these guys on the right path, I think it's taking a hit. You know, I, I'm going to say I think that it's worth it to take the chance uh, and see if you can rehabilitate the person and, as a result, also have a good person, and a good player on your football team. But I think you do so knowing that there are going to be bumps in the road, that it is going to be a work in progress, and that you're not going to save them all, and that you know some of them might continue to get in trouble, others might not, and you never really know until, the, until you give it a chance. Uh, so I'm going to say that I would continue to do it. I would, do, I would continue to do exactly what he's doing. When I think about Antonio Callaway, I think about an interview that I did with him last year, uh, or actually it was, a, it was a group interview, but we got him going on you know, just what his growing up situation was like, and he basically talked about how it was the worst of the worst. So the fact that he's even like here on a football team is pretty incredible. And Kareem came, some, came from some very, very challenging situations, backgrounds, family members right here in in this area. So, you know, for them to even get to this point, you know, to get, you know, to get through school, to get onto a team, to do all the things that you need to do, uh, in some cases, it's a minor miracle that these guys are even here to begin with. So I'm going to say, keep doing it, keep seeing who you can save as a person, and get something else also out of on the football field. Okay, topic number six. I'm going to go with pressure. I thought today was, you know, we started to see that defensive line come back. And I think you could tell today that that first string defensive line was back on the field. Miles Garrett was in the backfield a bunch. Larry Ogunjobi had back-to-back pressures, and he forced the, uh, the throw from Mayfield that turned into Terrence Mitchell's interception. And I just saw a lot of pressure. And you can't always tell. In camp, I mean, there was a touchdown throw to Jarvis Landry, but in a real game, the coverage was great, and I think we would have had a coverage sack on that play. And I just think what we've seen over the last week when those guys weren't in versus what we saw today was night and day. And it's just a reminder that this front four is going to be really difficult to deal with. Yeah, and, you know, Freddie has uh, numerous times said he thinks that the defensive line is going to be the strength of this football team, which whenever he says that, 
you know, I always wonder, is he trying to light a fire under <laughs> Baker Mayfield with that? <laughs> or does he really mean that? Does he really believe it? But when you look at this defense, defensive football team, from back to front, it is very, very strong. And I kind of agree with Odell when he said, I don't think teams are going to score a lot of points on our football team. Yeah, I think the defensive line obviously had a really good day. I was watching the offensive line a little bit today, too. Greg Robinson obviously had his hands full with Miles yes, Garrett. He did. During the red zone drills, he did a good job. He he stayed in front of, of Garrett, uh, who was uh, not trying to bull rush, but he tried to go inside and outside, and that's the play that led to Mitchell's interception. He was getting pressured elsewhere. But um, another time they tried to stunt, and uh, Eric Cush, who's starting a right guard today, mm-hmm. uh, came over and picked him up and, and did a good job. Of course, later... Garrett pretty much threw Robinson to the side and, and, and got a sack, I think, of the play before uh, uh, the, the offense got a touchdown. But it was kind of hit and miss on, on that side. Um, overall, though, when you add all four of those guys together, yeah, that's going to be tough to deal with. And on a related note, I got to pay Gohan today. Yay. Gohan, <laughs> the Instagram star, dog, I, Miles Garrett's dog. Mm-hmm. I got to go back. I guess he's a rare Black German Shepherd breed, some kind. I don't know. He's crazy, but I guess he has to pay Gohan. So he really is. There you go. Extra point. Mm. Kickers. Oh, good call. Just Mm -hmm. very, very briefly, it was a good kicking day today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Austin Seibert four or five, Greg Joseph five or five, and then they both made uh, pressure kicks at the end. A fifty-two yarder by Austin Seibert, who also made a fifty-three yarder. They both made fifty-three yarders in the field goal drill. And uh, Greg Joseph had a 44-yarder at the end of the game to uh, to win the game. So uh, it was actually a very good day by the kickers. And Seibert's was a legit pressure kick. It was yeah. guys are yelling, mayday, the clock didn't stop. They had to run him out there uh, to line that up. And we've seen him knock a few of those. They look like kickoffs. Yeah, uh, He put that one through down the middle, and uh, it was a good day for the kickers for sure. I'm going to pull a Freddie here and say I only care about the next kick. <laughs> so... Yeah, that was a nice day, but, you know, it's over. That's yesterday, and yesterday yep. means nothing, you know, for tomorrow. You're right. Good news for the kickers, though. Tomorrow's an off day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It'll be an off day for us, too, so we will be back on Monday with an Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Until then, for Mary Kay and Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>